0: Misread is a book podcast where we review books, discuss topics, and provide social commentary on what's happening today. So, welcome to season two of Misread podcast. Whoop
1: whoop. <laughs>
0: season two, very excited to start. Yes. We've got tons of stuff in store for you guys.
1: Thank you for joining us for the second season.
0: Very excited.
1: We're very excited, but before we get into all of it, how was your summer?
0: My summer is pretty good. I turned 30 this summer. What? So, yeah, I had a mental conniption, but I'm back.
1: <laughs> How did you celebrate?
0: I was in Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm. Where? Where in, in Mexico? I
0: was in Puerto Vallarta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we stayed in the quote unquote Beverly Hills of Mexico. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really nice. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, we did kind of like an Airbnb private resort type thing, which is my preference. Mm-hmm. And we just had a great time. So, yeah, yeah. Outside of the fact that I I turned the big three zero.
1: How does it feel?
0: You know what? Um, I think I'm really, like, a kid at heart. Yeah. So... You know, being in my 20s, it, it kind of made excuses for some of my behavior. Yeah. But now, now that I say that I'm 30, it's like, girl, you need to get it together.
1: <laughs> You're grown now. Right? Yeah. You're grown.
0: Like, it's not like, oh, she's only 20-something. It's like, oh, she's 30? Yeah, she's grown. Like, so. <laughs> no more excuses. No more excuses. But I'm excited. I, people tell me all great things about their 30s, to mm-hmm. be honest. so
1: Yeah, I've been 30 for a year. Nice. I turned 31 this, this summer as well. Right. And I was in Cuba for my birthday and it was it was lit it was amazing it was the highlight of my summer and um yeah what can i tell you about being 30 huh
0: you took beautiful pics in yeah yeah it was
1: it's a i was in havana it's a beautiful city we stayed with the local it was honestly i don't want to say like it was a life-changing experience (laughs) because i feel like it's so dramatic but honestly like i have been a different person since In different ways, but I do recommend, like, if you go to Cuba, like, I know most people go there for the beaches and things right. like that. But go out there and mingle with the with the locals, even if, I don't speak a word Spanish. At the end of a week, I could, you know, make a sentence. Right, right, I didn't have a choice, but they're super friendly, super warm, super open, which is, like, my kind of people. Yeah. So, it was wonderful. It was it was amazing.
0: And I like I like that you said that you're in with the locals. I think we mm-hmm. travel similarly like that. Like, I'm not a huge resort person, and you know the whole idea of like being away, but then it still feels like you're in North America because they want yeah. the tourists to feel comfortable. Like, yeah, that's not my preference. Like, I want to Airbnb it, be right in the city, go to the restaurants, eat what everyone else is eating. Yeah. You know, dance the music everyone else is dancing to. So I definitely I'm. I just feel like your your trip and probably my trip was probably just even enriched even more.
1: Mm-hmm. When you
0: kind of, you know, do it that way. Oh,
1: for sure. Definitely. For sure. Yeah, for so. sure. Big birthdays. Our birthdays are like... A few weeks apart. A few apart. weeks apart. We're summer babies.
0: We are summer babies. Hey. Cancer and a Leo. I know.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> the best match. <laughs>
0: to be real. Let them know. <laughs> so, you know, we did our, our little summer recap and... I did just want to say before we, we introduce the book that we're going to review today is we got a lot of support with season one. And we're so thankful for everyone's, you know, support. We, like we mentioned earlier, we have a lot of stuff, you know, in store for you guys. So authors sending us their books. And so, you know, we've, we've done a giveaway because um, we were partnered with a really great, awesome bookstore. Shout outs to Ty books. Type Books, downtown Toronto. And yeah, so you guys just keep subscribing, listening, sharing. We have tons of stuff we want, you know, to get more personal with you guys. Even send us letters, send us mail, comments, your
1: questions,
0: everything. Let's let's talk about it. Let's be raw. Let's be real. I think I think that's literally the best way for us to kind of go about this is just complete transparency. So whatever questions you guys have, if you even like something or don't like something, yeah, um, let us know.
1: Send it. Send it our way.
0: Exactly. So now let's dive into our book review.
1: Yes. The book is How to Love a Jamaican.
0: Love the title, obviously.
1: Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa Arthurs wrote it. It came out this year um, in July 2018. It was such a big splash on Instagram. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was reviewing it. So I was like, you know what? I think this is the best book to start the season with. And it was also one of the books that we uh, that was part of the giveaway that we did. Yeah. To tell you a little bit about the book, the book is a collection of short stories about Jamaican immigrants and their families back home. Uh, it deals a lot with themes of identity, um, themes of immigration, obviously education. A lot of uh, they talk a lot. A lot of the s- stories touched on marriage, which okay. I thought was really interesting and um i wanted to ask you because you're jamaican your background yeah. is jamaican how did the book touch you or did you did you see yourself or members of your family within some of those stories
0: 100 percent. like even even in certain stories where you know i don't know someone who has a story exactly like that just the language being used mm. or the food being referenced which is something that is constant in the book food is a constant theme within every story she talks very vividly about what they're eating at dinner or memories that are associated with certain foods so for sure the i i really enjoyed the book i thought it was great the language like i said yeah. it just reminded me of like my culture and where i come from mm-hmm. and things my mom would even say like it was it was you know, there's the, a bit of that, like, kind of comic relief. Sometimes I'd be laughing, like, oh, my gosh, that is so Jamaican. <laughs> that is so Jamaican. Yeah. So I did it. I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but, again, because I can relate to it, mm-hmm. I think I think in general it's a great book. I think anyone reading it at all could, there's themes in there that are universal, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I will say I think there's something a little bit, you know, special about being an actual Jamaican and being able to identify with, a lot of the stuff she talks about,
1: and she dedicates the book to Jamaicans. Okay, and one of the things I read about her is that she said she wanted to, she wanted to see herself in a book, so she wrote this book. That's
0: beautiful. Yeah,
1: so it's it's interesting because you said you could reading this, you could you related so much, you could see yeah. yourself in it, and that's actually the goal that she she was trying to, she was trying to achieve by writing this book. Right. Um, what was your favorite story in there? Mm. Is it, did you like all of them or did one stick out to you?
0: I don't know if I would say I had a favorite story, but I think um, the story about the brothers, uh, the, twins? the twins, Jacob and Esau, mm-hmm. which is interesting that the mother named them that. Yeah. And I love that he referenced maybe had his mom actually read the Bible, <laughs> she would know not to name her twins that because they didn't have the best relationship.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I just, I think the thing I liked about that story was because it was from the man's perspective. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about what the story was about.
0: So the story is about um, a man. He's married and uh, his wife. They don't have children.
1: No. They
0: don't have any children. Mm -hmm. And I believe they met actually in America, but then moved back to Jamaica in their older age. And this man, he's very articulate He's you know very like put together, and he's actually the quote unquote the good brother out of the two and the well accomplished one. But he's living this whole double life. That's, that's nineteen. The,
1: that's the that's the story with the twin brothers. Yeah, isn't it? No, I think the twin brothers. There's like one guy who is who's the perfect son, and yeah, the other the brother, to, the twin brother, is like out there. He's like kind of like you know has many women pregnant, He has child. Children everywhere. When this one,
0: doesn't he talk to his wife about how he saw his his brother? Yeah. At the, at the
1: market and then he ignored them. And the wife wants to move to America. So when he's when she's cooking, she's like, So have you thought about it? And he pauses That's how and, it is. That. and then That's she's story. And then he's like, he says, I saw his brother at the market and then she's like, Oh really? Like does he do how is he how is he doing? And then blah 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 and then she's like, Have you thought about it? And then he's like Sure, let's go to America, and like because their so, mom's dead now. So his mom is dead, that he has no okay. reason to stay. And the other story you're mixing it with is the story it's called "How to Love a Jamaican." That's the title That's the of title, the book. Yeah. And he has a child with another woman, but he's he doesn't have he brothers. Doesn't they mention don't siblings. mention. He has a good friend named Ugly.
0: Yes, <laughs> but he okay, doesn't. Okay, I mix the stories.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so should we? Should <laughs> we see? can
1: we'll, we can continue, but we'll start like which one was your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my favorite was "How to Love a Jamaican."
0: Apparently, yeah. Um, and that one is the, is the story of you know an older gentleman and his wife who are living in Jamaica now. They did meet in the United States, um, but then they came back, and he's he's very well spoken and mm-hmm. he's put together. Yeah. But little do you know. He's got a whole other life, and that's a nineteen-year-old son yes. <laughs> outside of his marriage.
1: You know what I thought about this story, exactly to the point that you're saying that he's like well-spoken. He's like technically the perfect husband. Yes. When I thought about the story, I thought this story is brutal, and it's tender mm. at the same time because you read this man, and he seems like he seems like the kind of man you want to marry. He seems right. He seems like a good man. He takes care of his family. Um, takes care of himself. Like, you know, well-rounded men, and he's done well for himself. Yeah. I believe, they seem like they're they're in their retirement or they're about yeah, to retire. Yeah. And, you know, she said she wanted to go to Jamaica. So off they go to Jamaica and it's, they live a simple, nice life. So you're like, nice, you know, you, you feel comfortable. Right. You read the story, you're, you feel comfortable with them. And then here and there he talks about forgiveness. He makes like, he alludes to forgiveness to his wife, even the way that the chapter started. And then, the more you get into the story you're like oh okay yeah. so you have a whole other life they don't go into details as to was this was this an affair or was this like a one night stand i don't did you get that vibe did you get the feeling no, of was it like a long lasting relationship he had with another woman and then a child came out of it so
0: i didn't i didn't get any um there was nothing in the story to answer the questions as to how this child came about. Yeah. But one thing about this story is that it's very relatable. It's very very relatable. Um I'll say this as a Jamaican person and because the story is is about a Jamaican person, oftentimes you hear stories like this. Okay. A lot. People are married like and when I'm saying a lot, I'm I'm literally thinking of people in my head right now okay. that I know personally. And you're married for 25 years, and then your husband comes home and says, hey, can you send for my picnic in Jamaica, who's 20 years old? And the wife's just now finding out that he has a child. Or Word. they it's have... Common.
1: It's common. Yeah. Okay. It's, and, not,
0: it's not far off. That story is not far off.
1: Okay. And like, okay, so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, he's obviously struggling to tell his wife. Yeah. About the fact that he has a child. And the way that it ends, you get the feeling that he's never going to He's tell never her. going to. What was the most unforgivable act? The fact that he had a child out of wedlock or the fact that he never came clean about it?
0: I would say the fact that he never came clean about it because you're now taking someone else's ability away to make a choice. about who you are Mm -hmm. and if i want to be with someone who's like that like Mm -hmm. you're not even giving her an opportunity to say she may forgive you and now welcome this child you're depriving her of a whole other side of who you are yeah a child is a huge thing that's huge that's who you are Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know and and it's not fair to the to his son either
1: you know the vibe that we got from the son is that he was I wouldn't say careless. Like the yeah. the snippet we had is like, it was at his birthday. So he was like thinking yeah. about other things. His head was a little bit everywhere. Um, but the, also the theme of forgiveness. When he's talking about uh, forgiving, he talks a lot. I think he says something about why can't forgiveness be peaceful? That's not the word verbatim that they, right. that they use, but that's what he alludes to. Why can't it be peaceful? And I thought it was incredibly selfish for him to say that of yeah. course you wanted to be peaceful you're the one who who harms <laughs> so many people exactly. you, by your action you're actually harming so many people you're hurting so many people so of course you don't want the whole storm to come your way and you have to deal with it so you hold your silence and yeah. you know so i thought i hated that part yeah i hated that 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 characteristic of him i thought that's what made him weak and yeah. that's what was brutal yeah. about the for me about the about the story. They have this friend called Ugly in yeah. this uh in this story, and, and Ugly used to be married to the perfect wife. His wife cooked and cleaned and she kept the house in order. Yeah. And then he left this wife and he met another young yeah. thing and he was like, She's young, she's hot. I'm gonna go with him, <laughs> with her. And then, you know, the months go by and the house is not clean. No, she's not cooking no food. <laughs> she's not cooking nothing. And I just thought it was interesting his, because it seemed like he kind of regretted yes. at the end. But his definition of a of a wife, of a perfect wife was cook, clean, sex. Yeah. And I thought it was like a really basic way of looking at what a, what marriage is like. Yeah.
0: And what women offer in a marriage. Oh, what a woman offers in
1: the marriage. But at the same time, I was like, are these, is this the solution to loneliness? You need shelter, you need food, and you need sex. Those are actually like... Essentials. Essentials to any human being. And a lot of women identify with that
0: actually being the case, with that being their quote-unquote place in
1: -hmm. their marriage.
0: Mm -hmm. Being able to provide those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's pride in mm-hmm. being able to provide those things for your family. Yeah, for sure. But I also don't think that you should be reduced...
1: To that only... To
0: that value only.
1: I found that that definition or that... Um, you know, if that's what you want... If that's what you think marriage is, I thought, I was like, I think you're just combating loneliness. Yeah. If that's all you're... If that's the only reason why you get married. And it's not to say it's bad and it's not to say it's good. Even in other stories that she talked about, I don't know if you remember On Shelf. Okay. The story about the girl. You know, it's funny, the way I described it, I said a pretentious woman falls for the exact things she she holds her friends in contempt for. So she's the the woman who's like, she's hot, she's educated, she knows what she's doing, she knows where she's going. She's not going to be like her friends who are married and are lonely and miserable. She's going to wait for the right one, you know, because she deserves it, okay? (laughs) And then, the years go by and she lets this man come and this man goes and she's like, no, they're not good enough for me. No, they're going to give me that type of life. That's not the type of life I want. I want the best. I want something better than what my friends have. All my friends are sad and lonely and angry and they want me to live the same life they live. The way that she talks, you are (laughs) like, Okay, girl. And then in the end, she meets this guy online. <laughs> she meets this... this. <laughs> I'm not going to use any adjective to describe it, but she meets this guy. <laughs> and even when she meets him, she's like, not good enough for me, but okay. You know, like, I guess she was lonely. She's like, it's okay. Like, he'll just, I don't know, fill up my nights for now. And then one night turns into a few months. few months turns into a belly. And then the belly turns into a ring. And then all of a sudden, you live the exact same life you were looking down upon that all your friends are living. Now you're one of them. So again, it brought back this whole ethereal. For for me, when I was reading these stories, I was like, okay, it made me question marriage. I'm like, okay, so what what is marriage? Are are most people getting married just to not be lonely? I think that's a part of it. But do you feel... it seemed like it was the main reason. <laughs> like, and I realized I had to ask myself, like, well, Cass, what is marriage to you? And I realized that I have this very rose-tinted idea of what a marriage is. I That's have fair. A very romantic idea of what a marriage. I think we're gonna be in love and full of passion and travel the world together and be into each other till the end of time. I have a really lovey-dovey, unrealistic (laughs) idea of what a marriage is. Even though I do know there's ups and downs and I do. And I'm all about fighting for your love. But I also think it's romantic to fight for your love. Like, you know, but like reading this, I was like, okay. Is it, do you marry out of love or do you marry because you don't want to be lonely? See,
0: I believe that for me, marriage is the idea of committing to the idea of commitment. And it's even less about that person. And I know that's kind of like weird and maybe a little bit unconventional. Mm -hmm. But that's how I view marriage because um, human beings, we're these fickle little creatures. And our feelings change all the time. And uh, you're constantly growing. If if the idea is to be with someone for the rest of your life, who I am now at 30 and who I'll be at 50 are two completely different women. Mm -hmm. So if you marry me now, who you're going to get when I'm 50 years old, even who you're going to get next week, could be completely different. So what does it really mean to be in love with me, right? It means that all the aspects of me that you haven't even met yet, you are committing to. Mm-hmm. So for me, when it comes to marriage, it to me, it's just the idea of committing to the idea of the commitment so that the baseline is the commitment that's never changing. So no matter how much you change, that person changes, the ups, the downs, et cetera, if you both are committed to the idea of the commitment, that is what's going to keep the marriage together. Because that's the only thing that's unwavering, is the idea of commitment. Right. Opposed to your individual emotions and feelings and your weight and his baldness and all that other kind of stuff. That's always changing. Commitment itself doesn't change. It, it, commitment is is commitment.
1: So you're saying you're committed to the commitment. Yep. And I, I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, you're kind of committing to something you don't know. In what way? In the sense that, like you said, who you are at thirty is not the person you're going to be when you're fifty. Right. There are things that are ever changing your weight, your the way you look is it, physical things are always going to going to change. Same, that that we all know. But in terms of who you are as a person, there's a person who you are before you, children, after children, career change. Yep. Um, any type of crisis that may happen, uh, things that happen in life that are natural, like death anything you know that can come and really disturb your mental state right that's what i mean by you're kind of committing to something you actually don't know but you have faith but maybe that's a good thing
0: because i feel like the fear of the unknown is what stops people from doing a lot of things or not exploring a lot of parts of even themselves or things because they're just so fearful of the not knowing yeah and that's why i just feel like committing to the commitment is surrendering to the not knowing. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, with that being said, there are certain lines I don't feel like should be crossed. And, you know, if certain things were to happen, if I was to get married and certain things were to happen, I'm not committed to no commitment. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> like you know like, no, we don't do that. If you um, have
1: a 16-year-old right. at the wedding, great. I don't, I'm
0: not committed to that. Mm-hmm. No, I'm out of there. Yeah. Um so obviously like, you know, within within that context though, in my marriage or in people's marriage, I'm sure they have their own sets of rules and things and yeah. there's certain things that might go on in my relationship that you would think are absurd and there's mm-hmm. things that you might put up with that I'd be like ah, I could never you know yeah so I do think that like naturally it, it'll it'll come together in terms of what your limits are and yeah I, I think that's my take on on um, what marriage
1: all marriages. Yeah. what did you think of the light-skinned girls and Kelly Rowland oh I like that yeah I like that story uh she talks a lot about like so
0: so there's one part in this and I actually want to talk to you about it, where mm-hmm. she talks about the financial freedoms. And do you remember we had that one episode where we talked about black privilege and mm-hmm. what that could mean? Mm-hmm. It made me think about that because the one friend, I think, came from a more, you know, elite background and financially well off, mm-hmm. while the other one came from, you know, more humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And even though they're both living a quote-unquote black, experience their experience is still very different because of their socioeconomic status yeah so one of the things i wrote down was does financial freedom make you less aware of your race or racial hardships being upper middle class having different issues than those of lower class can black privilege be tied to financial privilege
1: can black privilege be tied to financial
0: privilege
1: yeah so if if I, as a black
0: person, mm-hmm. in the context of other black people, yeah. if I'm more financially stable, mm-hmm. is there a sense of privilege that I get as a black woman? Now, certain rooms will mm-hmm. allow me in because I'm not that black girl, or you know what I mean. Like,
1: I think there are financial privileges point, like period. Right. it It has nothing to do with color. Okay. Personally, that's what I think. I think that's a social class thing. Hmm. If you are born middle class, you have access to certain things. If you're born upper class, you have access to a whole different set of things. And because of that, your outlook on life will be different. So Light Skin Girls and Kelly Rowland is the story of two students at NYU who who become friends. They're both from a Jamaican background, but one comes from a privileged um, upbringing and they say that that privilege has blinded her from the realities of her race. Right. And in that sense, so to go back to the class system, I think when you, when you come from that type of background where you do have money, you, you are shielded from the reality of a lot of things. Right. But it's, it's not just black and white. It's, you're just shielded from the reality of someone who doesn't have money. Point blank period. You will never know what it is to be on footsteps. You'll never know what it is to be, like, on government assistance program. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas that person who comes from that is fully aware of all the things you have that she wished she had. And I don't know. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I like, do understand what you're,
0: what you're trying to say. It's interesting. But I don't think
1: it's about color. color. I think it's just about money gives you access to everything. So do you think
0: that a lower class white woman and a lower class Black women would have more in common than an upper-class Black woman. Absolutely.
1: Race is a social construct. Mm -hmm. And I think the the reason why they made race a social construct is because of finances. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the protagonist, I'm not too sure what her name is. Uh, Cecile and Kimberly, I believe she's Kimberly. She's Kimberly? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I felt like she... It felt to me like she was trying to assert her blackness onto her other friend like but you're black don't you know this don't you know that and it's like are you trying to overcompensate because she's not as assertive as you are about her origins or where she's from or was it that the protagonist in the setting in the environment that she was in she felt invisible so she was trying to make her voice louder and she was trying to exist in the sea of White people right. if you if you want to put it like that. and so just to make sure that she I'm still here, like you know, she was she was overcompensating for that. yeah, that's kind of like the feel that I got from her
0: and it made me wonder if her friend, um who is you know, more privileged and you know, they talk a lot about interracial relationships because she only dates white men yeah. and, and uh, she uses black men mm-hmm. when when it comes time, but she only dates black men, is she really that oblivious or is it a mask? Does she she not love herself? Is she unsure of certain things? Like, you know, throughout the story, her friend will make a comment about say something about food Mm -hmm. and she'll respond like, oh my gosh, like I forgot about that or like, you know, Mm -hmm. very like ignorant. Yeah. And it's like, did you really forget about that? Or do you really not know what that is? are you just kind of saying it because it's your way of separating yourself from her Mm -hmm. and making... You know, it clear that you're over there and I'm over here and we're living two different black experiences.
1: Yeah. But I also so. think it's the way that she was raised. Maybe her parents, her parents are Jamaican, but maybe they, you know, the way they, they raised her. Was, and that's real. Yeah. That
0: is one hundred and one percent real, because I know listening right now, all my Jamaicans can attest to a lot of their parents. If they even hear us first generation speaking patwa, it's looked down on.
1: What oh, for mean? sure. Like they don't want you to speak Pato? No, plato? they don't want
0: you speaking Pato. Why aren't you speaking properly? You you brought up in a country of, of privilege and da-da-da, yeah, really? Toxel. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, there's so many Jamaican parents I know that when they hear their kids speaking Pato, especially Canadian-born kids, mm-hmm. it literally irks them.
1: Wow. Like, it's almost
0: like, why are you speaking like that, even though they have the thickest accent? Yeah. And we we love it. We love it because mm-hmm. it's my culture and, you know, and our parents are looking at us like, why would why would you want to speak uneducated? Why would you want to speak like that? And that's how they speak. OK, so you touching on that mm-hmm. and, but, and you didn't even know that mm-hmm. is so interesting because that's now even a theme in the book that I can mm-hmm. even relate to because I see it all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And a lot of Jamaicans try and separate themselves from other you know, other Jamaicans like, oh, I grew up here and they answer the phone, hello, and try and be extra proper and, you know, everything set good and very, you know, they, they do try and do that. So I could imagine if you move to America, yeah. you don't want to be seen as like, you know, Jamaican. However, people have that that negative connotation. So you try so hard to separate yourself and not be the typical wow. Jamaican, you know?
1: You know so, what I found really interesting reading this is that she the, the stories are uh, set in Jamaica or set in Jamaican families yeah. and she dedicates the book to Jamaica but I could relate to so much of Beautiful. what was going on even you saying that there are a lot of yes. Haitian parents yeah. who re- who don't allow their kids to speak creole so I can I understand what you're yeah. saying when when you say that some Jamaican parents don't want their kids to speak patois but it's mm-hmm. crazy because I find that patois is very celebrated Like, in the expressions that the youth uses in the culture here in Toronto, I find that... I I don't know. Am I crazy? I find a lot of similarities. It is. is. uh, is. I
0: think Jamaican culture is huge here in Toronto. mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it is celebrated through our slang, our food, you know. I always joke around because, like, even on the Uber Eats app, there's a section that says Caribbean and then a section that says Jamaican. Like, it's literally separated. So, we always laugh at stuff like that, but... Even with that being the case, if you look at older generation Jamaicans, yeah. that stuff is, like, so annoying to them. Okay. You know, and I think it's annoying for a few reasons. It's almost, like, probably feels like it's being exploited. But then it also yeah. probably feels like, why, if you if you come from a place of, quote-unquote, privilege, okay, that which they would feel that we come from a place of privilege in comparison to how they grew up, mm-hmm. why would you want to bring yourself to that level? Like, I'm fighting so hard oh, to bring you here okay. so that you can... Live this experience mm-hmm. and you want to carry on a certain way or go to this party or look this way or dance all this and da, da da da. Like,
1: okay,
0: I'm Jamaican and I'm not even gonna lie. I never grew up in my household listening to dance hall music. I started listening to that when I got older and I could in my household, but then also, too, granted, my parents are very Christian. Mm-hmm. It was country music. A lot of Jamaicans, Jamaican, like, Jamaican to, country
1: music, no, or country American country, country music, American country music, really,
0: and that. I'm telling you, Cats, if our viewers are listening, our Jamaican Christian viewers are listening, mm-hmm. they will co-sign that. They don't even listen to the oh booga booga music, and they'll think it's negative, like dance hall or like certain reggae music. I remember my dad had a whole bunch of, you know, Bob Marley and albums like that when we were younger. And then when he got saved, he threw it all out. And all they really listened to is gospel or country. Mm-hmm. So there's parts of the culture that are literally deemed almost like lower class or this to certain people mm-hmm. that or they try galaphon. and exactly that they try and cut off cut their children off from
1: okay yeah but is it is it when is it because they come is it when they come here or is it even while they're in jamaica because i'm, I'm wondering is it that when they come here they're trying to assimilate to the culture here like let's say like the canadian culture they're trying to Blend in. I don't know. Is it is that the reason why? Or would you say that even Jamaicans back home will look down upon 100%, certain music and one hundred percent.
0: Okay. Even back home they'll definitely do that. And depending on where you're from, oh I'm from here and that person's from here and you know this part of town is where a lot of the Syrians were, so these people are mixed up and okay. they're a little bit lighter and the, okay. there's a lot it's a of class thing. it's a class thing. And it happens literally everywhere in the world. Yeah.
1: So it's a class yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting. Yeah. What do you
0: think about the term whitewashed? Because she refers to her friend as almost being whitewashed.
1: I, like, it's like Oreo, calling someone Oreo. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I have a problem with that. <laughs> okay, I have a problem with that because I, 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 okay, so growing up, me and my brother, my, my, my brother has two, is two years older than me. So we're very close. We were brought up together, same household, same parents, everything. But my brother used to call me Oreo. Okay. <laughs> and then growing up, I wouldn't, people wouldn't say that to my face, but they would just uh I don't know, they just have certain ways. And I find it amazingly ignorant. It's very ignorant. It's it's crazy ignorant. It's kind of like some people who say, Oh, you speak, you speak white. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that means, I'm not too sure. You exactly. know, it's like you're actually. Your, 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 you know, you're putting yourself down when you say things yep. like that. So what you talk black? What is that? What, yeah. what is, the, what does it mean? You know. So I have a problem with that. Especially like, I used to do ballet when I was younger, okay. so it was definitely Oreo. And um, I, I was a nerd. I read all mm. day. And when you read, your vocabulary is different. Yes. That's so then very again, true. I would people would make comments about that. But I was like, I know more about my culture and my history as a black person. Than you do. And yet yeah. you call me Oreo. So I kind of feel people who call other, like, black people, like, what, whatever, whitewash or Oreo, I think it comes from a place of insecurity. Yeah. It's like you're comparing yourself to that person and you're just like, I don't know, you feel like maybe you're not good enough. So you say things like that. I've had a guy tell me once here in Toronto a couple years ago, oh, you're the type of girl that only dates white guys. Why would you say that? Because you're intimidated? Because you feel like maybe you're not up to my level? According to you, not according to me, because I actually like the guy. So according to (laughs) you, you feel like you're not on my level. So you think... And he doesn't even realize that
0: he's literally putting white men on a pedestal Mm -hmm. by even saying that, Mm -hmm. which makes him look so weak.
1: Yeah. So that's why I think it's it comes from when people say that to other people. I think it comes from insecurity.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's ignorant when people will be like, "Oh, like you you speak so white," or you know things like that, or like even when white people will say things like, "Oh, but you're different. Like you're not like them, or you're so well spoken, mm-hmm. or like what are you what are you shocked about? What do you you're pretty so, for a black girl. Yeah, like it, it's it's definitely along the same lines as all those, and I I agree with you completely. I think it comes from a place of insecurity. I think, I do think that there are some people of color and it's not, um, specific to black people, but I do think that there are some people of color that have issues with their own self. Mm -hmm. So they gravitate to other races that maybe they put on a pedestal or they wish they were a part of. And then you see that happening. Yeah. I don't know if I would still in that instance say that that person's whitewashed. I would say that they just are practicing self hate.
1: Yes, exactly. Which is different. Yeah.
0: You know, um, so,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. What about uh, We Eat Our Daughters? That's a good one. Sheesh. That's a good one. <laughs> that was a good it's, one. It was actually hard for me to read because I felt like I could relate so much mm-hmm. that I like I read it, I read it quickly. And then I was like, no, I want to take my time with it. And then I read it and then I put it at the back of my mind. I didn't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was really good, and I thought it was accurate. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, even she talks about like how how we even say I love you. How a Jamaican mother even says I love you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like there's a there's a part in there where one of the women uh, is speaking to her son, and she says, "Why you not be of yourself?" Like that's a way a Jamaican mom says I love you. Like I know for me growing up, and a lot of my friends growing up, there's not really that like. Oh, hug and I love you. That's yeah. not really the ways in which you say it. They yeah. they show it more in in making sure you're. I put you to school. Or, I put you to yeah. private school. I buy you food.
1: I buy you clothes. What, <laughs> what you what mean I don't love you? What is this
0: exactly? Um, but saying it, you yeah. know what I mean. Like it's it's. It's not part of the culture. It's Not a part of the culture. Not of the culture. Yeah. It's not a part of the culture at all. Like, it's funny because I was actually talking to my my black girlfriends, and I was saying to them. I've, I have two really close friends, and I can count on one how, how, hand how many times I've hugged them. We don't embrace.
1: I hug you all the you time. You hug me all the time,
0: and it's so different for me. And it's so different for me. And I was telling them, I'm like, it's so weird because my friends of other backgrounds, like, you know, my friends that are white or Asian or Spanish, we're always embracing like, mm-hmm. there would even be times where I'll be at, like, my friend's house, for instance, and they say they're Spanish or, you know, they're, they're Italian or something. And we'll be hanging out and I'm, like, I've got my feet on her and she's got her head mm-hmm. on me. Like, there's, like, this—and the thought of doing that, even with the girls that are actually closest to me,
1: yeah.
0: is, like, almost, like, repulsive. Like, I couldn't even imagine my friend, like, with us being on the couch talking and she's got her feet on me. Like, that would blow my mind. Cause we just don't do that. Like we can't. We just haven't met each other on that level. But my white friends can come and oh my god, they're hugging me up, and it just feels okay. Like this is what you do with them. (laughs) But with these girls, no, we don't. We don't touch. We don't say I love you. Like
1: oh yeah. yeah. You know what? I I can I understand. I understand what you're saying.
0: Maybe I, I, it's because you're French. Maybe that's why you're so like... No,
1: no, no. No. <laughs> just me. My mom was not affectionate. Oh, my God. For the longest time when I was a child, when I was a teenager, I was like, my mom doesn't love me. <laughs> my mom doesn't say I love you. She doesn't hug. She's not a touchy-feely. My dad is touchy-feely. Okay. But for the longest time, I was just like, my mom doesn't love me. And you know what? You may be right. Because I went to a girls' school... But it was very mixed, okay. And I don't know if it's the vibe. We're all girls, so we were all like, he- like hold each other's hands. Yeah, you know, we change in front of each other. We hug each other all the time. We dry each other's tears. But even then, I remember that I was very like, this is at first. I was like, why are you touching yeah. me like this? Like, you know. And I grew yeah. into it.
0: I think that even the stories in there and like how mothers love, I think that then gets passed on Absolutely. to how we love. Yeah. But then it's interesting though because when it comes to relationships though. We want that affection. Yeah. But we don't really know how to give it to other women. Mm-hmm.
1: In the story, she I think it was her name is Yolan, and she talks about her white girlfriend who her name is Emma, and she says, I meet women like Emma whose mother whose mothers don't want anything from them besides knowing that they are happy. Mm-hmm. It seems that mine believes that her happiness and my happiness are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And it's it's two things. It's why is it that Caribbean mothers treat you like you're a child, even when you become a full-fledged woman? 100%. 100%. And the second thing is, do do you find that there is a different kind of intimacy between black mothers and white mothers, but also black mothers with their daughters and black mothers with their sons?
0: Yeah. So I think that black mothers treat their kids in general like their children. Mm-hmm. Uh forever. For forever. Like, you know, my parents go to a small Jamaican church, and until this day, if I walk into that church and they're calling the youths up for altar call, they're looking at me, how am I youth? I'm 30 <laughs> and I'm standing beside five-year-olds and 12-year-olds. And everyone's looking at me, like, go up, yes, man. You have to get Brian. And I'm like. Uh, I'm literally an adult. Like this isn't the altar call for me, and then and everyone in the church will be looking at you like, "Who do you think you are? You're a child." So I do think that, yeah. you know, they they definitely treat you um, like a child, and but we fall into that. You okay. know, what I, I I do believe that we literally fall into that role. Like mm-hmm. my sister is in her mid to late, you know, uh, 30s. And there's still certain things she she would do that she wouldn't want mom and dad to know or, you know, like, right. you just don't do that in the house. Or, right. I have friends that are married.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: even still, they wouldn't go upstairs with their husband alone okay. in their parents' home. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. I think we fall into that mm-hmm. as well. I do think black mothers are different with sons than they are Absolutely. with daughters, for sure. I think that daughters have a lot more expectations. Uh, they have a lot more expectations for you mm-hmm. as a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as white mothers versus black mothers, I don't know if I would say intimacy as much as I would say openness.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe they're tied. I, that's
1: maybe what they I, are I mean, tied their, together. Their relationship yeah. with each other, like the fact that, her girlfriend could talk about anything, anything with her mom yeah, and she couldn't. And like you said, like you have friends who are married, yeah. grown, and they still won't do certain things in front of their parents, even though technically they could, right? you know, or they just feel like out of respect or just because they we weren't raised that, that way. way. But yeah. I, find for me, what I, I kind of feel like it's sometimes unfortunate. Like I wish, like, for example, my mom, she does treat, still treat me like I'm a kid. The only reason why I, she doesn't do it as much is because I don't let her. Okay. But in in a way, it's like I can't talk to my mom about anything, but I wish I could. Okay. I wish I could get her input as a woman. Like, there comes a, t- a point in your life when you become an adult that you realize my mom is my mom, but she was a she was a woman. Yeah. She was thirty at some point. She was living her life. She had ups and downs. She had her secrets. She had things that she did and things that she loved and that maybe she stopped doing once she became a mother. Yeah, I want to know that woman. She's still in there. So I sometimes I wish I could talk to that person in her, but she still she still has that feel to no. That's my child. I can't talk to it. Yeah. My mom doesn't tell me. I don't know half of my mom's life.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: You know, but that woman is still inside. So she'll talk. She you'll see that person when she talks to her friend. But I wish, like now that I am a woman, I wish I could talk to her on a woman to woman level and right. gain her wisdom because she has. 30 years more than I do. So she's gained way more experience. She might have the best advice, but because she's still looking at me like, you know, you don't know nothing. Yeah. She, we won't have that. We won't, have, we won't share that moment. Yeah. So it's kind of what I meant by intimacy, but it's true. It could yeah. also, it's openness. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's,
0: it's interesting your take because my take is I think I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. You don't I, want
1: your mom to be your friend. I don't. Even when you become like 40 and all that, you become when you're well now, now that you're an adult. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
0: still I think I'm OK. OK, I think I'm OK with that. I think like I'm more open with my mom now than I was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So that is true. Mm-hmm. However, the ways in which I speak to my mom or I do open up to her is usually I have to meet her on her level. So, my mom is, you know, a prayer warrior. Right. So, if I'm opening up to my mom about something, usually it's through me asking her for prayer. Okay. So, that's, those are the ways. Like, you know, I I don't I don't often, you know, venture into the kitchen and just start ta- telling her about my life. But if I feel like, okay, this is too hard mm-hmm. for me now and I need support, mm-hmm. probably in the last four years okay. is when I've been able to go and say to my parents, like, I need support. I need prayer. Okay. I need some help. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. But- that's the conversation it's not much advice back and forth it's just them kind of like okay and we're going to pray for you okay oddly enough i'm probably closer to my dad when it comes to speaking to him
1: mm-hmm. about
0: stuff i can talk to my dad a little bit more um and i just i don't know i've always been a bit of a daddy's girl and mm-hmm. my dad actually if you tell him you know don't say anything i can i can know that that man will take that to the grave my okay. mom <laughs> <laughs> literally by the next family event everyone will be asking oh me about gosh. so that mole that you had oh on your <laughs> you my know god. What I mean? i'll be like oh my god mom <laughs> so maybe there's a bit of that too so maybe yeah. that's why i'm okay with it too mm-hmm. right but i but i know what you mean i don't know a lot about my mom i barely even know about how my mom and my dad met she doesn't really even talk about really? like any type of
1: yeah and you know that's the from that story the last the, the we eat our daughter story that's the last feeling I got from it mm-hmm. or understanding is that we never really know our mothers. No. They will forever remain a mystery. Yeah. It's good. I, I think it's bad in the sense that what I what I said earlier right. but at the same thing at the same time I think I think it's good too yeah. because they, you will always look at your mom as this ah. That's true. You will always hold it to a pedestal because you don't know every she because she remains a mystery you're always like intrigued so always. you will always have that certain like a, a level of respect for her that will never change because of that. Yeah. So I love that. I love the way you put that. That was, that was beautiful. Yeah.
0: I think that was a really good recap of the book.
1: Yeah. We it was a really in. good book. <laughs> yeah, I know we went in. But there was so much material. <laughs>
0: so it was it was great for that.
1: It How would you read the that. book?
0: I'm going to be biased and
1: not say I read it 10. <laughs> Support my girl. No, so she. Book. it's it's an amazing book. Like, honestly, I, I do think it's really good. For me, I think the book started off so strong with the light skin and Kelly Rowland yeah. story. I said I felt like it did went a bit flat and I was telling you yeah, about you it. Yeah, did. And then it picked up again with uh, How to Love a Jamaican and all the stories that followed. It was yeah. like, whoa, I can't put it down now. Yeah. So I'll give it a 3.5 on 5. Okay. But I do recommend it. It's really good. It makes for amazing conversation like the one that we just had. So pick it up. I do recommend it.
0: So you guys, let us know. If you haven't read the book, you should grab it. If you have any questions about the book, let us know. And yeah, we would love to know your thoughts. And we we brought up a lot of themes today. Yeah. So we would love to know your thoughts on some of the conversation we were having. You know, mm-hmm. financial privilege and... Babies out of wedlock and all sorts of how you, you, your relationship with your mother. Mm-hmm. I would love to get a lot of you guys to actually uh, message us about that because I know our listeners are from a vast, you know, yeah. array of different cultures. Yeah. So I almost feel like our experience is Jamaican mother, Haitian mother, but I, I bet you've all speak to my friend, her Indian mother, yeah. probably very similar, yeah. or her Chinese mother is very mm-hmm. similar. So I would love to get your guys. Your guys' thoughts. Even, we, we say a lot of things like, you know, white versus black, but I have Italian and Greek friends whose mothers are literally photocopies of mine.
1: Okay. In terms
0: of being very, like, old school or rigid. You
1: right. know, I think
0: sometimes when, when people do reference in pop culture, like, oh, black mom versus white mom, like, especially in a lot of, like, parodies or for funny, I think they just mean young North American mothers. But if we're talking about European moms, they don't play. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They don't play. They have a different mindset. They have a different mindset. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of put that out there. But, yeah,
1: thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Toodaloo.